Time for our Friday morning devotion, and we've been looking at the book of 1 Corinthians. We're getting close to the end here, folks. We're at 1 Corinthians 13 today. Uh, what is sometimes referred to uh, very commonly as the oh-so-famous love chapter. In other words, the chapter that you have heard quoted at just about every wedding that you have ever attended in your entire life. Uh, yes, that chapter. The words, uh, the chapter that talks to us all about love. Now, in the context here in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is discussing spiritual gifts and, um, and the importance of spiritual gifts and how everybody has been gifted in one way or another for the specific purpose of building each other up and, and providing for the common good. Uh, and at the end of the chapter of, uh, in 12, he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. He wants people to desire to be gifted, so it's a good thing to have that desire. And then he ends with these words, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Well, what is that more excellent way? What is more excellent than even having all of the greatest gifts a person can have? Well, Paul is going to show us here that it is indeed love. So he writes this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I speak with the best possible rhetoric, if I am an incredibly eloquent presenter, but I don't love, well, then it doesn't mean anything. It's no good. And if I have prophetic powers, the ability to bring forth the word of God with clarity to people and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I'm the best theologian that the world has ever seen, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have, have not love, I am nothing. If, a, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Folks, it is entirely possible for people to have incredible gifts, for people to have incredible talent, and yet, Paul makes the point here that as important as those things may be, if they are not driven by love for others, then they end up not being worth much at all. He continues to give a description of what this love looks like, because it's natural to ask, okay, so if love is this important, if it's the most excellent way, Paul, well, tell us what it is. Okay, fair enough, I will. Love is patient and kind. Love is love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Now, resentful there is a fine way of translating the, the words, but actually, I think a better translation, or certainly one that I like more, is it keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, I suppose the natural question upon reading such a passage 
is by those definitions, would you describe yourself as a person that is driven by love? Patient, long-suffering, kind, not, not envious or boastful, not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or keeping a record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If I'm honest with you, I can see a whole lot of my life that doesn't match up with this description. I don't say this with any degree of pride. As a matter of fact, I say it with a sense of shame. Far too often, I'm not patient. And yes, I can be unkind. Sure, I can fall into envy or be boastful, find ways to talk about myself or my accomplishments or whatever. Can I be arrogant? Yeah, sure. Could I be rude? Ask my wife. Yeah, I can be. Can I keep a record of wrong? Yeah, I mean, man, I look down this list, and as much as I know that this is good, that I should be like this, I also, I'm painfully aware that I'm, I'm not. I'm painfully aware of my shortcomings here. And I would imagine for those of you watching this that you also recognize your shortcomings here. We want to be this. We value love so highly in the abstract in our culture. But when it's defined for us as to what it looks like, well, it's actually hard. It's actually hard work to love to not give in to the base instincts that we naturally have. And so there's, there's another way that I, I have to look at this passage as I come to it. I acknowledge what I've just said, that these are good, worthy things that we uh, should strive for as Christians. And yet, recognizing we don't always, we don't live up to them, I've learned to also read this and see Jesus in the midst of it. Because even though I may not be patient and kind, Jesus is patient and kind. He did not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on getting his own way, but indeed takes care of others around him. He was not irritable. And thanks be to God, he does not keep a record of wrongs. As a matter of fact, he is the reason that any of us have forgiveness for our shortcomings at all. He indeed rejoices with the truth. As 1 John tells us, God is love, and Jesus being God fits this description perfectly. Ultimately, when we hear of love, we must be brought to Christ. Paul continues, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now, I think the perfect here that Paul is talking about is the second coming of Jesus. I think he is saying that these things one day will go away. All these gifts that we have now, they're not going to be necessary in the heavenlies because we'll see We'll see clearly. We'll understand. 
He continues, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. There will be a day where the gifts that we need now in order to just kind of get through life to build each other up won't be necessary anymore because God will be in our midst all the time. And God, who is love, will fuel us all the time. And so Paul concludes here with this very important statement. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And why is that? Because one day our faith will be sight. One day our hopes will be realized when we, when we stand in the presence of God forever and ever. But the one thing that will not ever run out, that we'll always need and that we'll always have a full supply of in the presence of our King, is his love. That is why it is the greatest. It is indeed what motivated God, according to John 3.16, to send his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It is because God so loved the world. That's what love looks like. If you want to know love, look to Christ. Repent of your lovelessness and accept the love he has for you that he might in turn make us more loving people to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to all. That's it for this morning's devotion, short little passage in 1 Corinthians 13. I pray that you have a blessed day and that uh, you will...